All right. Uh, grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Let's go ahead and stand as we'll read the word of our Lord this morning uh, and then continue to uh, look at the Lord's Prayer as we uh, should, depending on how, how quickly we move, be, have our last sermon on the Lord's Prayer, uh, at least the text of it today. So, Jesus tells us, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. So last week, uh, we started looking at the word amen there. This last word of the Lord's Prayer, uh, a word that, that I said, I think you make good contention, is possibly the most important word in the human language, uh, at least the most universal, especially in the, the Christian language, because it's the same word that Christians have used and continue to use across uh, time and culture and language. There are so many words that change and are translated in context, but amen is one that you'll hear on the lips of almost all Christians across time, culture, and language. God's people from the beginning have been an amen people. The problem is, as, as prolific as that word is, the problem is a lot of times we don't know uh, what that word means or we don't know why we use that word and we don't want it to be a sort of, you know, a Protestant hocus pocus of our own that we throw at the end of uh, our prayers where we're essentially saying, you know, I'm done. We don't, we, we don't want amen to just be the Christian way of saying I'm done. You know, someone prays and they, they say, you know, in, in Christ's name we pray, you know, I, amen, I'm done. And then we respond with, uh, yes, you are done. Uh, that's not what we want amen to be, just that sort of marker of, of finishing there. And so last week, we tried to remedy that by looking at what amen means and why we use it. And we saw that amen uh, is a Hebrew word, a Hebrew word that was kept in the Greek. It was still amen in the Greek and was kept in the English as well, where they kept both the word uh, and its meaning. Uh, amen means that something is true, right, good, it is faithful, it is, it is trustworthy. Uh, so that's what the word amen means. It's wrapped up in, in the goodness of something. And then we looked at why people use that word or how they use that word. And so we saw two ways last week. We saw that people, uh, well, two ways that we typically use it. Uh, at the end of prayers, right, someone's done praying, we say Amen. And when someone says something that we agree with, someone says something good. And in a church, if something said that's really good, you might hear someone say, amen, uh, amen to that. Uh, and we saw that that's not shocking that we do that, that we have amen at the end of our prayers, or that if someone says something good, that someone responds with amen, because uh, those are two ways that amen is used in the scriptures. Uh, that, so it's not something that we just made up. It's not something that someone one day said, you know, what would be neat. Let's end all our prayers with amen. Uh, and someone said, man, I bet no one's done that before. Let's do that. Uh, and it's not like someone heard something uh, good during a sermon and someone said, amen. And everyone went, wait, we're not praying. Uh, where'd you come up with that? Uh, this is stuff that we see as it was part of a Hebrew culture, part of a biblical culture and something that continued in in Christendom. Someone says something uh, that you want to have happen, something you want to see God to do and you think it is good, it is right for God to do that. You would respond with amen. So it makes sense after a prayer, God, please do this. Remember, praying is asking. So you're asking God to do something. It makes sense for people to respond with amen. Remember, amen is what we're saying to God, not to one another. Normally, when we say to amen, we're saying it as a marker of to, to each other. In Christ's name, I pray, amen, I'm done. And then the group responds with amen. We recognize that you're done. But really, amen is supposed to be the group's response to what the person has just prayed. So we like, so for example, if we're all praying, one of us goes before the throne uh, speaking uh, to the Lord God and the rest of us, then when that person is done with the request, would agree with that request that we've just asked by saying, amen. Uh, so, so it'd be this group response to God. So remember that. That's the one thing I, I want us to remember. So when you say amen, you're not saying it to one another. You're not, it's not a group recognition that prayer is over. 
It is a proclamation to God. Yes, Lord, I want that to happen as well. We are in agreement. We have come to to you in prayer as a church body. This person is vocalizing our requests, uh, but we are all in agreement. We're all saying amen to that. Uh, it's also something you would say, again, if a statement was true, uh, you're not asking God to do something. You're just agreeing with what someone said. This is why uh, Jesus would use the word amen uh, in the Bible. And sometimes it'd be translated as truly, truly. Remember in your Bibles, a lot of times, if, it's, if amen is at the beginning of a sentence, they'll translate it truly or verily. Uh, it's just the word amen. If it's at the end of a sentence, they translate it amen. It's saying that this thing is good or right or true. So that's what you're saying when someone says amen. You're saying what people in the Bible have said. You know, remember the the angels and the the, the creatures uh, and the, the 24 elders before the throne. They're all saying amen. When something great is say, said about God, salvation belongs to the Lord God and to the Lamb. How does everyone respond? Amen. Now they haven't been praying that. They weren't in heaven the, the, the angels and living creatures weren't praying and saying salvation belongs to the Lamb. And then, and then the people are responding with, oh, yes, amen, we're done praying. They're saying that statement is true. They're not asking for that statement to be true. They're saying, yes, that is a true and good statement. And so even in heaven, they say amen. When something good is said in heaven, they say uh, amen to that. And, and as we want to be a copy of the heavenlies down here, it is good and right if you hear something good about the Lord God, especially to proclaim Amen. So those are the two ways we normally use amen. The good news, those are fairly biblical ways. We have examples in the Bible of those. Examples in the Bible of people doing that. But like I told you last week, as much as that's the way we use amen, neither one of those is the primary use of amen in the Bible. So if you find amen, this isn't going to be the way amen is used the most often, nor are they the ultimate use of amen. So nor are they the most significant use of amen in the Bible. And so that's what we're going to talk about this week. What is the way that amen is most used? When people say amen in the Bible, how are they doing it most often? It's not to prayer uh, and it's not, it's not just saying amen to something true. Uh, and what is the ultimate purpose of amen? Why, why is amen here and what should we be thinking when we say amen? Let's start with the primary way or the most common way you see amen used in the Bible. The most common use of amen in the Bible is uh, it is primarily a group sort of liturgical response to the glory or praise of God. In other words, amen is your response to a doxology. If you hear a doxology, you respond with amen, which if you remember... When we sing the doxology, how does it end? It ends with amen. And the reason we do that isn't to let us know, hey, this is the end of the doxology. It's because in the Bible, that's what you do. When God is praised, when he is doxod, when he is glorified, the response over, and we're going to see this a lot, over and over in the Bible is after someone praises God, makes a statement of God's praise, the group responds, there's a group response of Amen. We said that amen appears in a lot of curses. We saw how it appeared in a lot of curses. But here again, the primary way that amen is used is in blessings, but not just any blessing. In almost all of them, amen is the response to where God is the one who is blessed, where God is the one who is lifted up, who is being glorified, where God's name is the one being made Great. And we've got numerous examples of this. I'll just give you, I'll just give you a few to let you see how this progresses throughout, uh, throughout the Bible and continues to be true uh, and is actually an assumed part of the Christian life. Uh, here's a couple of, uh, of examples just from the Old Testament. Psalm 72, 19. Psalm 72, 19. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Psalm 41, 13, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. And again, here, this is what we're actually seeing. 
the group response uh, of amen. Remember, we said that we're never told in the Bible to respond to prayers with amen. We just see that kind of happening. We're never instructed. But there are times where people will say, I'm going to ask God to do this or are asking God to do something where they are praying or saying they are going to pray about something. And someone will say, amen. We're never told to say amen in prayers. We're never told to say amen to good things. We just see it happening, right? We just see it happening in the heavenlies. And we go, man, we should probably mirror that. Just sort of a natural response. But... We are commanded, we do see the people of God commanded, told, when God's name is blessed, you respond with amen. So here's our first, why do we do amen? Here's our first command from the Lord, not just what we're seeing principally by examples, right? But actually where God says, when this happens, you do this. Uh, And we see it in Psalm 106, 48, where God's going to tell the people, when God's name is blessed, You people say amen. Psalm 106, 48. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. So here we actually see, we see for the first time instruction on when the people of God are supposed to say amen. That they respond with amen to the praise of God to praise or glory given to the Lord, the people say, amen. And what's funny is we actually see the people take this instruction to heart. The people actually do this. Oddly, this is one of the few things that the people of Israel actually did when God told them to do it. Uh, So God tells them, "When when I am praised, you respond with amen, and it actually becomes part of the people's life. Look, for example, at Nehemiah chapter eight. Nehemiah chapter eight. So we're going to see this is going to become ingrained. This is, I think, why amen is hooked into the Christian life so commonly uh, because it was a part of of their life. Nehemiah chapter 8, down in verse 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, what? Amen, amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and, and worshiped the Lord, bowed with their faces to the ground. So when people would bless the Lord, everyone knew Nehemiah. So, so imagine how ingrained this is, right? Nehemiah, they, they, they're finding the law, right? They're Ezra's reading the law for the first time. It's been lost, but what hasn't been lost is when God's name is praised, you say, amen. So think about they've lost everything, but what they haven't lost is that liturgical response. This is why it's so good to keep these things because you learn to do them even when you don't know why. Right? So Ezra didn't have to find it. Look, look, look. It's going to tell you to praise God. They knew when God's name is praised, what do you do? You respond with, amen, amen. Even, Even without God's word. They knew this is how you responded to God being praised. When God's name is blessed, everyone would say amen. So when people bless the Lord, the biblical response from God's people is amen. And sometimes amen, amen. Sometimes a doubling of amen, which, you, which then you get into verily, verily sort of territory. But what's interesting is this practice actually continued into the New Testament. It is an ingrained part of the life of the people. So we're talking, we're talking millennia now that this practice is taking place where the people of God respond to, to praising and blessing the Lord. They respond with amen. You see this, you're going to see this in a lot of Paul's letters. They don't cast aside this as sort of like, oh, that's Old Testament. That's Old Covenant, right? This is, we're going to do something else. They keep this where you're going to see over and over. And if you're not aware of this, it's going to be weird when you read it in your Bible. If you're not aware of the use of amen after God is praised, you're going to be reading the middle of a letter of Paul. He's going to say something about God and then you're going to see an amen. And you're going to wait, is this the end of the letter? Is he done? Because amen is a marker that something is finished or whatever. No, these are there because Paul knew the same thing that all the Jews had known and done. If God's name is praised, if God is glorified, you respond with amen. Even if you're writing it, (laughs) even if you're writing about the praise of God, you respond with amen. Let me give you just a few examples, but you're going to find this all over. For example, Paul, you see it all over. Uh, Romans 11, 36, right? Not Not the end of Romans, right in the middle of it. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. What does Paul say? 
Amen. Romans 16, 27, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Philippians, Philippians 4, 20, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, 17, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. 2 Timothy 4.18 The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Every time that Paul is praising the Lord God, making a doxological statement, he knows, because he's a Jew and what we've always done, he knows you, you finish that with amen. The response to that is amen. And he wasn't, it's not just Paul. This is something, again, that God's people did in general, that they all did. So, for example, Peter does the same thing. This isn't just some sort of Pauline trait or quip or, or, or style of writing. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Jude. Jude, Jude 25. Jude thought I got in trouble there for a second. Jude 25. What does it say? Jude writes, To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And what is the word he puts after that? After that doxology? Amen. John John writing in Revelation 7, 12, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So when you see amen here, it's this, it's this singular sort of liturgical response of the people to the praise of God, which I think is a useful category. I think it's a useful place. When you hear God praised, God's people have throughout time responded to the praise of God to doxology with amen. It's how we're meant to respond. When someone makes a proclamation of the glory of God and the desire for him to be glorified, the response of God's people from the beginning and on has been amen. It's just the rote response, just what you do. It's just how you respond. You hear God's name glorified. You hear someone talk about him giving him praise and glory forever. And you just say, amen. But here again, these are just, these are just individuals, right? We actually also see it in, in group settings. Remember, we saw it in Psalms. God says, let the people respond with amen. And then Nehemiah, you see God's people doing that very thing. God is praised and everyone says amen. So you have these writers of the New Testament keeping it. But, but did the New Testament church do it? You've got individuals. You've got Paul saying, okay, God be praised, amen. But was that a practice of the church? It was. That is a very integral practice of the church. In fact, it was a well-known practice of the church. Take, for example, uh, in Corinth. So it, this, this, this is good because you see it's such a practice of the church that even messed up Corinth is doing it right. Uh, Corinth, who's messing everything up, uh, is still doing this right. It, it's an assumed part of church life. We're going to see here that Paul's going to give them not a prescription to do it. It's not something that Paul tells Corinth they have to, knew, to do, that it was something so universal that he assumed it was already part of the Corinthian practice. That even Corinth, again, with all of its messed up practices, they were surely still doing this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 16. This is Paul talking. He's talking about their problem with speaking in tongues. And he says the problem with how they're doing speaking in tongues is no one knows when to say amen. Look at what he says in verse 16. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he doesn't know what you're saying? So look at what we're looking at here. What's interesting about, about this with saying amen in thanks to God was so universal here that even outsiders knew when God is thanked, when God is blessed, when God is praised, the response is supposed to be what? Amen. The problem with Corinth is you guys are saying you're praising God and you're doing it in tongues and no one knows when to say amen. They know they're supposed to say amen when God is praised. 
But the problem, Corinth, is you're doing these in these tongues and no one knows. Am I, is it, is, has God been praised? I don't know. I don't know what he's saying. So I don't know if I'm supposed to say amen or not. How are we supposed to know when to say amen if you're thanking God in a language, you know, we don't understand, right? So the guy gets up and he's like, you know, bought a Honda, but I should have bought a Yamaha or whatever. And everyone's like, amen, were you thanking God? I don't know. But even the outsiders, right? That's what he's saying. Even outsiders to the church knew that when God is thanked, when God is blessed, when God is praised or glorified, what is the response supposed to be? Everyone, church member, outsider, they all knew when you give thanks to God, everyone responds with amen. Everyone responds with that is true. Amen to that. But we also see it in 2 Corinthians, that this was an understood part of church practice as well. So here in 1 Corinthians, we see even outsiders knew that's what you're supposed to do. So you got people coming into the church, not part of the church, but even they know when God is thanked, you say amen. And they just didn't know when to do it. They knew they were supposed to do it because they know when God's name is praised, you say amen. But in 2 Corinthians, we see this was a, a part of the liturgical praise to God. So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. So what is the practice that everyone knew in Corinth? Again, whether a church member or not, they, they uttered their amen to God for his glory, at his glory. In other words, when God was glorified, when his glory is proclaimed, the people respond to those statements with amen. Paul doesn't have to say when this happens, hey, we need to utter amen to God's glory. He's saying, that's what we all do. This is why we do that. This is why we, we utter our amens. This is why we've always done this, which is why what we saw in Paul and Peter and Jude and in Revelation, you got these statements of praise and then just that amen thrown in there. Why? Because amen is what Christians have always uttered after God is praised, after God is glorified after he is doxod, after a doxology. And I think, remember we said last week that when you're looking at the, the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer is the only example of a prayer that ends with an amen in the Bible. But I don't think it's there because it's at the end of an amen. I think it's there because it's the end of a doxology. That's why I think it's there because that's what you do at the end of a doxology. You say, amen. It's the universal response to the doxology, a, a declaration of God's glory for thine is kingdom power and the glory forever. Amen. So it's not a declaration of the end of a prayer. It's the declaration that you make of the end of a, of a doxology, which then makes it make sense. The amen here that we're looking at uh, is less about the, the words to end a prayer and more about how you respond to the praise of God. When his kingdom and his power and his glory are proclaimed forevermore, the people have always responded with amen. So why do people say amen? Uh, we see three uses here tied to request. You say amen. Is, this is something true, something right. Yes, do that. Do these things. And the people respond with yes, amen. Yes, do it. When there's a statement that is true, you're responding amen. That's a true statement when tied to God's praise or glory, his thanks. It's that liturgical response. May God be glorified. Yes, amen. May he be glorified. Thanks be to the God that saved us. Amen. Yours is the kingdom of the power and the glory forever. Amen. So that's why, that's when amen was used. Now, I said that, that amen was part of this Old Testament, this Old Covenant worship, and remained part of the New Testament and New Covenant worship. And I said that we kept the word. We kept the Hebrew word. We kept the Greek. It didn't change. But why? So you've got a new covenant. And you've got a lot of new liturgy in the new covenant. You've got a lot of new ways that church was being done. New words, new language. But one thing that they kept, one word that they kept that God had the writers of the New Testament to keep was that word, amen. They didn't keep the word Messiah, right? That gets changed to Christ. They didn't even keep the name God from Elohim or El to Theos. Those things all got changed, but a word that didn't change and still hasn't is the word amen. The question becomes, why? 
Why does God keep that word? What is the purpose? And the reason is that amen is a foreshadowing of the work of Christ. Amen points us to Jesus Christ. I'll show you this in a couple of ways. Remember, and, and here again, this is where we get the ultimate purpose of amen. This is why we get amen just held on to. And so we're going to see in a few places where God is, or where Christ is called or connected with the amen of God's people. And we saw one of these in 2 Corinthians already. So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Remember that, that amen is this response uh, to God's praise, to God's glory, to, his, uh, to what he is doing. Well, Christ is said to be God's answer to all those amen requests. That Christ is the answer to all of the amens of God's people. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all of the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. So in amen, you've got God's people saying yes to this. You've got God's people saying yes. God be glorified. God is glorious. His glory, may his glory cover the earth like waters cover the sea. You've got all of that. And in Christ, you have that amen taking on flesh. You have the glory of the Lord uh, taking on flesh, becoming a, a, a person. You have him here with us. The, he is the answer to all of our amens. Every time the church of God heard uh, the promises of God and said amen to those promises, when they banded together and trusted in the promises of God and rejoiced in the promises of God, and as God's people said amen, God's answer to those amens is Christ. Every time that God's people responded, yes, Lord, do that, Jesus is a, the yes to all of those promises. He is a yes to all of that faith, that hope, that glory given to God. So Christ is that responsive amen. He is God answering the amen of God's people. He is God showing that he is truly glorious. That when we say amen, it is not an empty thing. That the glory of God has taken on flesh. The promises of God have been fulfilled. He's not just a God who promises what he cannot keep. How do I know that? Look at your amen. Look at, look at who is your amen and why you utter your amen to God for his glory. Who is the yes to all of the promises of God, which cause us to utter amen? It is Christ. So amen, every time we say amen, it is Christ that is the, the fulfillment of God's glory and keeping his promises to his people, his faithfulness. But it's not, it's not just that Christ is the fulfillment of our amen. Uh, remember how amen meant that something was true or right, that God's word is the word of amen, the word of truth, which I, I believe Bob read from that passage last week. Well, Christ, who is the word, Christ, who is the truth, Christ is also the amen. In other words, not only, so we're talking about the ultimate use of amen, not only is Christ the fulfillment of amen, Christ is himself the amen. He's not just the fulfillment of all the amens of God. Christ is himself the amen. We see this in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3 verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. So here are the words of Christ. And what does it say about the words of Christ? These are the, these are the words of the amen. And, 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 and notice how it says, amen, the faithful and true witness. What did amen mean? Remember, amen meant faithful. Amen meant true. And the early church remembered that too. So both of those ideas are, are captured here in Christ, who is himself the embodiment of amen. He is the amen, the faithful one, the true one. He is the amen of God. We, now we saw uh, last week on, on Wednesday night, uh, well, we saw to, to go through your Bibles and scratch out the word jealous. Um, but if you weren't there, you don't get that. That's special. That's Patreon only sort of stuff anyway. Uh, but we also see, uh, we also saw that one of the names for Yahweh, one of the names for God was zealous. 
that God's name was zealous, that zeal so captured his character that it was his name. Well, here, Christ is the epitome. What word captures who Christ is? Christ is the epitome of the word amen. So God is the epitome of the word zeal, zealous. And here we see Christ is the epitome of the word amen. He isn't just called amen. He is called the amen. He is the faithful one, the true one. He is the answer of God. In other words, amen, as we progress through scripture, we get to, we get to revelation. Amen is no longer just a what. Amen becomes a who. We have the amen. That Christ is the amen. That, so all of our amens took on flesh. All of our yes, God, please do that. Please keep your word. All of our amens of God is glorious and great and deserving of praise. All of those amens lifted up by God's people. Those amens took on flesh. So when we say amen, should we think about, yes, what I'm asking is, yes, Lord, please do this as we're saying this to God. Should we think those things? So at the end of our prayers, when we say amen, we, we, we should no longer be thinking, yes, we are done. You should, be, you should be thinking of yourself before the throne room of God, asking God what he has just said, God, and I probably wouldn't be looking up and probably looking down. Uh, what? He's just said, God, I am in agreement with that. And then we all shuffle, shuffle, shuffle out of there. Uh, you should be thinking that. You should be thinking, yes, Lord, I agree to that. That should be what you think when you say amen. When you say amen to just a true statement uh, of life or whatever. Yes, and if someone says something really good, you should think, yes, when I say amen, I'm, I'm thinking, yes, that is true. That is good. When, when, you say, when you hear God's name being praised and you just naturally respond with amen, uh, and that becomes your natural habit, should you, should you do that and be thinking, yes, this is, what, this is what God's people do to doxologies. We respond with amen to, to God's glory. Should you do that? Yes, but what else should you be thinking? You should be thinking every time you say amen, you should be thinking about Christ. Your minds should fly to Christ because he is the amen. That's why I think it's funny. At the end of my prayers, I was singing this. Uh, I tend to end my prayers with, in Christ's name, I pray. And then I say, amen. The irony of that is Christ's name is amen. Uh, so it's, it's funny. I'm saying in Christ's name, I pray, amen. And then it's like, sometimes I wonder if Jesus goes, yeah, that's my name. That is my name. Uh, I am the amen. Uh, because he is that amen. He is the one that every amen has always and will always be pointing to. Every amen ultimately leads us to Christ. So God's people have been unknowingly invoking Christ with every amen they've uttered since the beginning. They've been unknowingly foreshadowing that amen was not just going to be a what, but was God's plan for the amen to be a who. A king who comes to, to answer all of our prayers, that all of the amens for all of time were building toward a child born in Bethlehem who's going to be the amen in the flesh. That God's not just going to answer your prayers spiritually. He's not just going to answer your prayers in some way that you just have to have faith and trust. Yes, he's doing it. He's being faithful. That God answers the prayers of his people and he does it by sending his son. His amen isn't just wishful thinking. His answer to your prayers isn't just a hope. The, 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 the surety and rightful and truthfulness of his praise is not just something that sits in our minds. It is something that takes on flesh. His glory walks. His answers to prayers walk. And so you have this king who comes to answer all our prayers and to receive all of our praises. Christ, who is himself a living doxology. And to whom we utter our amen. That's such a glorious God. To send his son. To fulfill all his promises to his people. To answer all our amens and to be our amen. So why was the word amen kept? Because the amen was coming. The amen was here and was fulfilling every promise of God for his people. And as we continue to see God's glory grow, to cover the earth like waters cover the sea, what response can we have to that growing glory? But amen. Amen uh, to it as the amen brings it. Amen and amen.
So what can we do with these two final things and really the use of amen in our prayers? Let me give you just four uses in light of, of what we looked at today and, and, and some a little bit from last week. Uh, make it your habit to use amen when you hear God praised. When you hear God glorified, make it your habit to respond to that with amen. Now, the reason I say that is because that's how God's people have always responded. Uh, and like we're going to say in just a second, unless you somehow are the one generation of people that no longer going to do that because you stand in some special sort of Gnostic place that understands these things in the ways others didn't. When, God's, when God is praised for anything, when he is glorified, throughout Scripture, the response to that has always been amen. And there never comes a point in Scripture where God says, yeah, you can kind of quit that. Uh, in fact, if anything, he ups it by saying at the end that Christ is actually the amen. So when God is praised or glorified for anything, make it sort of your rote response to just say amen. You hear God is good in your head, out loud, whatever. You should, probably out loud because it seems to be out loud all the time. Uh, say amen to that. To God be the glory. Amen. I, I want us to, have you ever, have you ever heard like, uh, Muslims do this, right? Uh, where the name Muhammad is mentioned and then they'll say something. They even do it when the name Christ is mentioned. Uh, when the name of Jesus is mentioned, they'll, they've got a little phrase that they say. With it should be the, 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 that, well, we, we all know Muhammadism steals everything off of Christianity anyway. Uh, but but we, should, we should have that same sort of response where it seems like God's people had that same sort of response and God commands that same sort of response in the book of Psalms. To when God is praised, God's people respond with, Amen. So let that start to be what you do. When you hear amen, and it might be like, well, I don't want to be someone who just always responds with the same thing. I'm an intellectual. I'm a thinker. I don't just respond. Uh, No, do this. Uh, Because that's what you see God's people doing. It is a good liturgical, right, sort of rote response to the glory of God. Amen. When you hear God praised, you should get in that practice. Again, the practice that has been part of God's, the practice of God's people throughout history. God's prescribed practice even. I mean, we don't, I mean, no one, it's funny, no one bucks at the idea of adding amen to the end of their prayers, even though that's not prescribed. No one bucks at any of those ideas. But here we actually, God have prescribing and telling his people, when my name is praised, you say amen. And so when you hear God's name praised, it would be a good practice to start responding with God's praise uh, or to God's praise with amen. So the first thing is I would add that to your life. I would add, if it's not already a part of what you do, maybe it is rote for you to add amen at the end of your prayers. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, it is good to add amen in response to God's glory. So be listening. This will be good. This is good practice because if you don't do it, you know what it's going to cause you to start doing? Listening for times when people praise God. Uh, so what it trains you to do is to be listening for people to praise God. Because if you know I'm supposed to respond amen to when God is praised, then you'll go, oh, God was just praised. Amen. Yes. Uh, it will put your ears out. We do the same thing with prayers, right? When we hear that prayer voice, right, that someone is praying, we all go, oh. And again, we can't hear anything, but we know their eyes are closed and their heads are down. We don't hear a word, right? Uh, but then we hear amen, and we're like, yes, amen. Uh, so we know to do that when we hear someone praying. I'm saying do the same thing with God's praise. You hear God being praised, make it your habit to be listening to that, and when they're done, say amen. Yes, uh, because you'll know that you, you've tied yourself with God's people throughout history, and you've know that's what God told his people to do. When you hear my name praised, you say amen. So it's just a good practice to get into uh, and a, and a prescribed practice as well. Uh, second thing, use amen, and when you do it, remember Christ. When you use amen, use amen more and more because you are invoking the name of Christ. You are remembering Christ. When you say amen, and if you'll remember that Christ is the amen and the fulfillment of all the amens of all of God's people, and the reason we continue to say amen to his glory, then every time you say amen, you'll think about Jesus. And if it's true that every time you say amen, you'll think more about Jesus, I don't think anyone would say, well, I don't know if I need to say it more often. Every time you say amen will increase the amount of time that you think of Christ if when you say amen, you quit not thinking anything, but instead think about him. If you'll remember that the amens that you're lifting up, that those are real because Christ is real. The answers are real. The hopes are real because Christ is real. The glory is real because the glory of God walked there. It's not just something you're hoping. It's something that took on flesh. So when we say amen, recognize we're we're foreshadowing the amen that is Christ. Amen is a Christological marker 
that has rung through the prayers of God's people even when they prayed in the shadows. So you have God's people praying in the shadows, saying amen, not recognizing, not even realizing that the amen from God, that his answer to their amen would come in the flesh. That all of God's promises would find a yes in him. So they said amen in the shadow. We stand in the sun. How can we not utter amen even more? If they uttered amen after everything, sitting in the shadow and in the hope, we've, we've, the amen has taken on flesh for us. We sit in the sun. We are basking in the glory of Christ and his effects. We see all the promises of God finding the fulfillment. We see that it has happened. How can we not even more than the Old Testament saints? Amen? The idea that we would say amen less than them is ridiculous. If anything, we would say it more. So may amen fill our lips as the glory of the sun fills our eyes and our lives. Uh, Another reason, uh, a third reason to use amen, and a final reason to use amen, and and I've pointed at this a, a couple times. Use amen to unite yourself with Christians throughout the history of the world. Use amen to lower your significance of self and raise the significance of God's people from all time of what he has done. Now, we are not required to use uh, amen, except God prescribes for you to use (laughs) amen. But I want you to know, so whenever you're using amen, whenever you're doing it, your thoughts need to be, This is a practice that God's people have done since the beginning. And it is a good practice, one we can certainly continue and do so with renewed purpose. We know that Christians didn't just decide to keep the word, but that the Holy Spirit, when he was inspirating the New Testament, had them use that word, had them keep it. He is the reason Paul wrote amen. He is the reason Peter wrote amen. He is the reason Jude wrote amen. He is the reason John wrote amen. He is the reason that Paul says, hey, of all the reasons that the way you're doing tongues is messed up, let me, let me put a, a marker to later generations to recognize, hey, out, even outsiders knew to say amen to God's glory and not yes to God's glory and not mm-hmm to God's glory or, or to give thanks. They knew you respond with, of all words, amen. Every single use, continued use of amen is because God inspired the, the writers to use those words. And so you have this word being retained, this word being kept in all languages for all peoples and all times, all cultures, this word somehow, when all other words are translated, when all these other ideas are translated, you have this one sticking. Amen. Unifying us in the spirit, unifying us in faith, unifying us in prayer, unifying us in giving praise to God, all of God's saints, for all of God's time, in all of the ages. There's a good, one good reason to use amen is because this is what God's people have always done. And again, unless you think, no, we're some special generation that are going to stop using it because we've gained some higher knowledge that goes, we don't need to use it anymore. This is something that has united God's people since the beginning. It would be good for us to tie ourselves to that chain of Christendom and remember God's people using this word and us being a part of that. The reality, church, is that we as Christians are an amen people. God's people have always been an amen people. Amen is a word that you can know uh, was spoken by Abraham, by Moses, by David, by Hezekiah, by John the Baptist, by Jesus, by Paul, by Augustine by Alfred the Great, by Calvin, by George Washington. It doesn't matter. It is the word of Christendom. And so should we say amen? Yes. If anything, we should shout it. 
and remember that the word on the lips of our brothers from time immemorial and remember that that the amen is not just a what, but a who. When we say amen to God's glory, we remember His glory chiefly in Jesus Christ. The amen of God made flesh so that we say amen no longer in the shadows, but in the light of the sun. Glory be to God. May all His people say, Amen and Amen. Let's pray. As we take a moment to go before the throne of the Lord and ask Him things, ask the God of the universe to to do something for us. It is good before doing that to have a time of confession. (laughs) So take a time, if there's any sin that you are holding on to in your life, any way that you are acting as a man or as a woman, as a husband or as a wife, as a mother or as a father, as a church member, as a person of God, if there's any sin that you are holding on to, cast that sin, confess that sin before the Lord God. Because you don't want to go before the Lord holding on to sin. So, so that let the first thing you do as you approach the throne of God be to confess. Confess your sin. Ask Him to search you. See if there's any sin that you're not holding on to, but that you need to be made aware of. Confess that sin. Children, if you've not been honoring your parents, confess that sin. How have you been disobedient? Confess that sin. Did you obey your parents in all things? If not, confess that sin before you go before God. And now as we come before Him, ask Him to show you the importance of that word, Amen. Ask Him to open your eyes even more to His doxologies, to His praises. That you want to you hear them more and, and see them more so that you might respond more with Amen. Ask Him to give you eyes for His glory and ears for His glory so that you can see and hear when He's being glorified. So you can know, hey, this is when I need to respond with amen. Ask Him to unite you with the same Christians that are now living the eternal life that you have been hoping for. The people who have seen their amen come to faith. They've seen the, the fruit of that. Ask that He would give you a heart of amen. And ask that, when you say amen, that you would be thinking about Christ. Ask God to say, let every time I say amen, Father, let me think about Jesus. Let me think about all the other things that it means too, but but may I remember that Christ is the amen. That all of these things that I'm hoping in and asking for, all of these promises that I'm resting on, I know that that you will do them because... In Christ, we have our yes to all of them. This hope for your glory, I see it in Christ. Not just a king that we hope for, but the king that has come and who's causing your glory to cover the earth like waters cover the sea, Father. Help me to remember him every time I say amen. And ask for him to teach you that when you say amen, you tie yourself to the people of God for all time with your brothers and your sisters that have long come and gone. But the same word has been on all your lips. They might have spoken Hebrew. They might have spoken Greek. They might have spoken Aramaic. They might, but you all use that same word for the same reasons. When they heard God's name be praised in Hebrew, you wouldn't understand what it was said. But they would say the same word as you. Amen. When they heard God's name being praised in Greek, You wouldn't understand a word that was said except you would understand amen. And now we continue it. The word still holds true for us as God's people. We say amen. So may God remind us that this world doesn't revolve around us. Amen is a good reminder of that. Amen is that God's, this world is God's world. And it revolves around the story that he's telling. You're a part of that story. You're a chapter You're a paragraph. But it's all about Him. 
and the one dot that has connected God's people from chapter 1 and will connect it to the final chapter. One word that has always been on the lips of his people is the word amen. May the bigness of that highlight the smallness of you. And in the smallness of who you are in the history of this world, may you glory in that smallness. Because when you say amen, you remember the bigness that is Jesus Christ. You see that you may be small, but your amen is large. Filled with glory, a glory that this world cannot stop. And to that, we say, Amen. Father, we come to you today, our God, and we join together, Father, to pray right now. And Father, we have confessed our sin and we are coming before you in in light of a righteousness that is ours by Christ. And so we would boldly come. How how else could you come but boldly? Who who dare we think that we are to come before you when, when normally people, when they were in your presence, were wanting to get away as quickly as possible because they were aware of their sinfulness. It is only in light of who Christ is and we are resting in that confidence and yet we come to you and we ask. We ask you these things, Father. We ask you to help us understand why we say amen. And we ask you, Father, to help us say amen amen more. That that would tie us to your people. It would tie us to your praise. It would tie us to your prayers. And it would tie us to Christ. Who is the amen and therefore our amen. And so in confidence, God, we, we ask you, teach us these things, Father. Teach all of us, we as your people are coming and asking this. I, on their behalf, lifting this up to you, God. Please teach us these things. Make us a people that are aware more and more of your glory so that amen fills our lips. Make us people more and more who think about Christ so that amen fills our lips and our minds and our hearts and our lives. Please, Father, so that that word that we say and have said at the end of so many prayers and in so many moments, that we would say it more and that wouldn't cause it to be less significant, that we would say it more because it has become more significant. So please, Father, make us an amen people as your people have always been, God. We unite ourselves with all of our brothers and sisters as we are all united in Christ, who is our amen, and who is the amen, faithful and true. Teach us these things, Father. We ask you this in the name of Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.